Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 289 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading the second chapter of John today, and our focus is on did Jesus ever get angry? And if he did, what made Jesus angry? So our goal is to be a daily 10-ish minute podcast. We totally blew that away yesterday. Sorry about that. And we go through the Word of God chapter by chapter, seeking to break it down, understand it, asking questions from the Word and answering questions from the Word so that you and I can daily walk in God's Word and daily think about God's Word and most importantly, daily obey God's Word. Welcome to new listeners in Macaw, Saudi Arabia, Taipei, Taiwan, Belmapan, Belize, Singapore, Singapore, Kazan, Cebu, and Iloilo, Philippines, Dong Nai, Vietnam, Gujarat, India, London, United Kingdom, Nova Scotia, Canada, Birmingham, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, Los Angeles, California, Augusta, Georgia, and Wausau, Wisconsin. Our goal is to encourage daily Bible reading, so you can jump in at any moment and join with us. I would encourage you to invite people to check out the show and point them to our website, which is Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. Jesus. What do you think when you think of Jesus? Like, if you were to picture his face right now in your mind, what is his face doing? Well, I imagine for most of us, you might be thinking of Jesus smiling or kind of giving a peaceful sort of expression, which I'm sure that when he was on earth, Jesus did both of those quite often. But as we will see today, Jesus didn't always have a peaceful and serene face. Sometimes he appeared to be angry. And I say appeared because I am sort of, in a sense, hedging my bets. The Bible, to my knowledge, never actually says that Jesus was angry, but he's certainly going to appear to be angry today in John chapter 2. Is it sinful to be angry? Well, actually, it's not. The Bible tells us that God the Father gets angry, so it must be okay, at least sometimes, to get angry. And we see that in passages like Psalm 80, verse 4, which says, Lord God of armies, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? And in a more extended basis, we see it in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12 says, The angel of the Lord responded, How long, Lord of armies, will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and the cities of Judah that you have been angry with these seven years, seventy years? The Lord replied with kind and comforting words to the angel who was speaking with me. So the angel who was speaking with me said, Proclaim, the Lord of armies says, I am extremely jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. I am fiercely angry with the nations that are at ease, for I was a little angry, but they made the destruction worse. Well, not only that, but we see it in many, many other places in the Bible, including Job 42, where God tells Job's three friends that he's angry with them for how badly they treated Job in his hour of need. So yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God gets angry. And again, that means angry isn't always a sin. There is a righteous anger, as people have termed it before. Now, before you and I get too excited and think that this allows us to be angry with things that aggravate or bother us, allow me to say that you and I have a flawed judgment. We don't always know the right things to get angry about, and the things that 
does anger us usually are not the kind of things that seems to anger God, which brings us to the main point of today's episode. What is it that angered Jesus, or what appeared to anger Jesus? What caused Jesus to fiercely display his zeal in public? Well, let's go ahead and read John chapter 2 and find out. Verse 1, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now, six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them, so they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, Hey, everyone sets out the fine wine first, then after people are drunk, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they stayed there only a few days. The Jewish Passover was near, and so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the table. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews replied to him, what signs will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, this temple took 46 years to build and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. While he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all, and because he did not need anyone to testify about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Well, here's pastor and writer John Piper to help us to understand why Jesus got so upset seeing people basically setting up a marketplace in God's temple. Jesus says in verse 16, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Jesus does not say in this passage that the sellers and money changers are robbers or that the animals are defective or that the place is supposed to be a place of prayer, though it is. He says that they have turned his father's house into a bazaar, a market, an emporium. The disciples saw this incredible display of seeming fury. He was using a homemade whip of ropes and loosing the oxen and dumping boxes of money on the ground and turning over tables and saying, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And when the disciples saw this, they connected it with Psalm 69, 9, where David the king says, zeal for your house has consumed me. Jesus was consumed with zeal for his father's house. So what made Jesus so angry? The contrast he pointed out was between my father's house and a marketplace. 
My father's house means this house is about knowing and loving and treasuring a person, the father of Jesus. And in this temple, my father has supreme place. He is the supreme treasure here. Psalm 70, I'm sorry, Psalm 84, 11 says a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 73, 25 says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. But that focus, which should have been there, has been replaced by a focus on trade and money-making, and there's no reference here to the people who needed the animals, the pilgrims who were buying the sheep and pigeons. The anger is all directed at those who were selling and handling the currency. Jesus could see through the veneer of religious helpfulness to the heart. In fact, in verse 25, John says, he himself knew what was in man. What did Jesus see? He saw that this marketplace was not advancing communion with his heavenly Father. It was not flowing from the love of God. It was flowing from the love of money. And what made it worse was that religious ritual and seeming helpfulness was being used as a cover-up for greed. Oh, the entanglements of greed and religion in our city and in our day. That's what Jesus saw. He saw hypocrisy. Religion used as a front for greed, empty forms of love for God plastering over over the insatiable love of money. Jesus boils over when he sees formal godliness as a cover for financial gain. Jesus made it very clear that underneath the religious legalism of the Pharisees, he saw the love of money. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees in Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Then Luke comments, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. That's Luke 16, 14. That's another form of hypocrisy, shooting the messenger of truth. Rescue yourself with ridicule. Now you can hear the zeal of Jesus burning in another passage, Matthew twenty twenty five, when he says twenty three twenty five, when he says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self indulgence. You put up a fine display of religious helpfulness in the temple market, but." You are driven by the love of money, not the love of God. So then, my dear friends, let this be a warning to us to keep ourselves from greed and the love of money, because those things raise the ire and the passion of Jesus, our master. Let's close with our Bible memory passage for the month of October, which is 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Let's say it together out loud. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Amen. Good day, and Godspeed.